Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Janine Kelbach with RoidRN, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders podcast, broadcasting from DMAC Health and Public Services Building on the Ankeny, Iowa campus. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD, or check out my Tony PharmD YouTube channel, where you can find over 800 videos on top 200 drugs that support my audiobooks, Memorizing Pharmacology, and the new one that just came out, Goodnight Farm. Just put in your headphones and you can go to sleep to 350 top drugs. Today, we're speaking to Janine Kelbeck, RNCOB, in, which, who is a Cleveland, Ohio resident, freelance writer, and owner of WriteRN.net, W-R-I-T-E-R-N.net. Janine has been an RN since 2006, specializing in labor and delivery, and ventured into writing in 2012. Her mission to help other writers build their businesses, as she did with her two kids and a husband. So, Janine, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you for having me, Tony. Uh, well, everyone's leadership road is a little different. How did you become a leading nurse writer and uh, also writing coach? So, when I was... Um just a labor and delivery nurse. I just have a good knack of talking with patients and teaching patients. And I one day was sitting there with my newborn son when my youngest was just born, thinking, what else can I do? What else can I do? I need to make a little more money. I want to be home with this baby a little bit more. And it, you know, I'm Googling a ton of things, don't know what to do, don't know what to do. Finally, it clicked eventually when I was helping my grandma, who was passing away from cancer. We, you know, I was in hospice a lot with her. And I said, why don't I start writing stuff for patients in the terminology that I use when I teach my patients, which is basically how I talk to children, how I bring everything down to their level, not using too much medical jargon and letting them know how to take care of themselves. So, the first articles I started to write, um, I just wrote. I didn't really make anything. And then I realized, oh, my goodness, I can make money from this. So I didn't sell articles. People wanted articles from me. And one of the first companies I wrote for was Healthline.com. And um, they wanted just information about women's health, labor and delivery, pregnancy, maternity, da, da, da. And I started writing for them. And it's been going great ever since. Um, I taught myself how to pitch, but through all this, there was a lot of Googling and a lot of research in the library. And how how do I do this? I'm not a writer, I'm a nurse. And I think from, that's a very, very abbreviated version of how I got started. And now my mission is to help other people do the same thing with our medical knowledge. So in terms of your actual formal education, I've got a degree in English, so I like to write, but most people don't like to write. They think three-page paper, and they think that that doesn't seem very fun. What's your undergrad degree, or what what background do you have in writing that even would make you want to be a writer? So really, I think I'm just a, a big nerd. I love to know the why behind a lot of things. So you know, even as a beginning nurse, you know, if a woman would have preeclampsia, for example, we learn about preeclampsia in nursing school. Okay. She has high blood pressure. 
but why? Why does she have high blood pressure? What is going on in her body? Mechanism so, of action. Yeah. Yeah. So I would like be this huge nerd. I'd have like this maternity nursing book next to my bedside when I'd come home from work before I'd fall asleep after night shift and go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And once it made sense, I was, it just, things got easier. So it started there. And then, you know, just as an, a, a kid, I always wrote short stories in high school, I wrote for like our, you know, poem thing. I'd write poems. I just enjoyed writing. So I um, I don't think I, I'm not formally educated at all in writing. I've done little minor courses here and there to kind of learn to structure myself a little bit. But truly, Tony, I am not I'm not a English major by any means. But I think in when you become a writer or you think you can put some words together that make sense in an organized fashion, people want it because of the medical knowledge you have behind it. I think what you're doing is giving a lot of encouragement to those that are out yeah. there that have might maybe said, I want nothing to do with this writing because I don't want to have to go through any more schooling and to know that, oh, well, you're just telling people what you would normally say and you're just putting mm-hmm. it in words on the piece of paper. Well, Yeah, and that's uh-huh. not to say that people, you know... Janine doesn't do, you know, huge scholarly, you know, research PhD related kind of things. I, I just can't, it's mentally draining and it's not fun to me. And that's where you really need to find what's fun for you in a sense too. Yeah. I I actually was going to be an editor or uh, edit one of the journals and, and I, they gave me a test article and I sent it back to them and and I'd made so many corrections on it, and they said, "No, no, you, you're, you're making it plain, clear writing. No, we don't want that. We want, you know, it needs to be this certain academic yes. writing." It's like I can't write like that. That's yes. just boring. Yes. I can't intentionally do the passive tense. <laughs> I can't. I can't intentionally do those things. Well, I think a lot of people are going to think, "Okay, now you're a writer and you're a nurse. You, you get to use both halves of your brain. You know, the creative, really creative side." Though in nursing, I understand. There's a lot of problem solving. There's a lot of workarounds mm-hmm. that you have to do because the hospital say we have this solution, and then that solution doesn't doesn't usually turn out the necessarily way right. To, yeah. <laughs> so as a writer and a nurse, uh, many think you know your life is going to be perfect. You've got the best of both worlds every day, all the time. What was the very most difficult time as a writer um, that might understand that might they might help them understand? Um, what struggles they might have, but how you as a coach could help them? You know, I think rejection, because I'm not an English major. So, you know, the first reject article I got, like, I'm like, you know, you work really hard on it or whatever. And they send it back and they're like, you know, this really wasn't what we were looking for. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) So I think just rejection in general is tough for any field you're in. Um, And I think just being a nurse, as long as I have been now, I feel like an expert in that field. So when you start something new and you're not an expert, I think when it, you know, you get hit down a little bit and just building yourself back up again. So there's been times, there hasn't been a time that I've wanted to quit what I'm doing, but there's been times that I've questioned, am I even good at this? And you're in, it's so different than when you're out in a hospital field surrounded by coworkers and you know, I've had nurses that have made med errors and we're all there for her. You know, it's okay. Things happen. You're human. Da, da, da. When you're in your writing world, you're by yourself. So, you know, I'll have my husband say, no, you did fine. Da, da, da. 
you're like, oh, you don't even know. You're not even in it. So I think it's, you need a community. And I found my community and my support system. So I think that's, that's a big thing is it's not perfect and you're not going to be perfect. And, you know, it takes time and rejection is part of it. Yeah. My, I, I write books rather than the, the articles that you do. So my rejection is, or the, mm-hmm. the Amazon reviews are so public you know, you, yes. you, get, you get one and like, I just got, you know, a one star one from somebody. I was like, what? Yeah. Can I do No, I, I emailed. I was like, I got this. Is, this has got to be wrong, you know, and all that. And, and then I see that they gave one star to Tony Robbins and they gave one star to yes. all these other writers. I was like, oh, yes, yes. OK. You know, they're, they're giving one star to other people that have, you know, millions of books and all that. So I'm like, OK, great. You know, but, I but think, it hurts. It yeah. does hurt. You're like, oh. Well, let's segue into that group because I think uh, Carol Bush uh, and Janet Kennedy uh, – so Carol Bush is the social nurse. Janet Kennedy at Get Social Health are part of that group. Can you tell me a little bit about this uh, newer group, the Healthcare Writers Network? Yeah. So I met Carol back in 2016 in August and I remember the day because we just were talking. She called me and wanted to connect, just wanted to learn about other nurse writers. And we were just talking. She has her own blog called The Social Nurse. And she just needed some writers and just she has some clients she needed some writing for. And we were talking and we were just talking. And all of a sudden she brought up wanting to do a writing community for healthcare writers. And I was like, God, that would be the greatest thing ever. Because, like I said, all the Googling I had to do and all the research I had to do just to find out how do I get jobs? Who even takes me seriously? How do I write and things like that? And is this even an option? And when I found out it's a paying option, if I would have known that six months prior, I probably could have made a lot more money really fast. And so I think together we have built this community with Janet and um, Katie. We all have come together and um, Janet and Carol have really been honed in on building this community. So on May 15th, we are launching the Healthcare Marketing Network. We've been the Healthcare Writers Network since the since January, and it's been a free community on Facebook. It's a Facebook group that anyone can join in the writing field or want to be a writer in the healthcare field. And then we're launching the website, which is going to be a, a paid membership for, it's going to be about 30 bucks a month, but you're going to get courses, you're going to get coaching options, you're going to get... Um, just a community of people that can answer questions and be there for you and help you out with what to charge and things like that. Cause that's a huge thing too, is when you first start out, well, I don't know what to charge. You know, we're so used to hourly rates and things like that. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I'm just listening to Seth Godin's uh, book tribe and he talks about how people need to be in groups. People want to be in groups, but the one thing we don't have are the leaders for those groups. And so yes. it sounds like you guys have, have taken the lead to kind of, to help these other writers that uh, have something to say and that uh, not it's not really that that want to have this extra income and this extra opportunity because uh, it seems like pharmacy and nursing aren't much different in terms of the floater pharmacist and then maybe you can tell me how it works in nursing so in pharmacy a floater pharmacist goes to different stores sometimes they need you sometimes they don't your schedule is very scattered it comes and goes. Can you tell me about census and how sometimes yeah. you'll get called on or sometimes you won't and how that so works? So in in labor and delivery, you just never know what's going to walk through the door. So we have to have minimum staffing. And the unit I work in, we're a small community hospital. We need at least four nurses for our 
we have an LDRP unit, so labor delivery recovery postpartum. And you have to have four nurses all the time just in case. Um, so if we had one patient, we'd still have to have four nurses. Now, say there was seven scheduled, those three other nurses have to take the time off. And it's whether you have your paid time off bank, if you have any hours, or, sorry, Charlie, you don't have any money that, you know, coming in that 12 hours. So there's been a lot of nurses who end up taking PRN jobs somewhere else just to make up for those hours if we're going, if we're slow. But then it's the other side of it, there's so many times that we're so busy that people, you know, pick up extra time as well just to help out. So it, it's like pharmacy in that in that side of it where you just you don't always get the same paycheck. Yeah, I guess that's what I was trying to get to is that it sounds like this writing allows for consistency within an inconsistent profession. Very, yes. So that um, while you don't get paid with writing every day and you don't get paid the same with nursing every day, the fact that you have two streams coming in kind of evens things out. So when you come to your family, you don't just come to them and shrug your shoulders like, I just don't know. I yes, think maybe, exactly. maybe mortgage, maybe not. I don't know. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'll say the the writing side of it is so inconsistent because you just it's freelance. You just never know. There's there's been many times that people are like, "Sorry, Janine, we just don't have the budget anymore for writing," and they cut it or whatever. And you're like, "Oh man!" So you always have to have your hands in something else, not all your all your eggs in one basket. You got to spread them out a little, and no, that, that's what I try to help people do as well. So tell me a little bit about then the segues to the next thing, which is a kind of a day in your life. Because so we've established that it's inconsistently consistent. It's a it's, <laughs> it's like an irregular, irregularly regular pulse, right? There, right. There there is an income stream. There's always an income stream. It's just irregularly regular. So right. Well, uh, what's so cool about nursing is that I work twelve hour shifts. So you know the flexibility is so nice. Right now I only work sixty hours every two weeks. So it's, you know, not three, even three twelves. I do two twelves one week, three twelves the next. And we have to do our weekends, our holidays and whatnot. So it gives me a lot of flexibility during the week, which is always great with the kids and whatnot. But um, the days that I'm not at the hospital, I get up very early. And this is part of just the entrepreneur lifestyle. I think a lot of us who are trying to make it and trying to um, build a business, you have to find time. And it's so hard for so many people to know where that time fits. And um, with two kids and my husband and my other job and on call and, you know, we do need to like go to the grocery store and things like that, go to kids activities. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm really focused as well on like self-care. I need to go to the gym. I have to take care of myself or I'm not, I'm not good for anyone. So, you know, those things come almost first sometimes, but my writing has to come. Sometimes I'm better in the morning. So I have to get up between four and four thirty if I know I have things due or things I got to get done before the kids wake up. And then there's times throughout the day that I can take a break and do some little tasks here and there, but it's all about time management and you got to have the motivation and the, the desires and to to do it, you know, you, you have to have the drive. Now, tell me a little bit about building a 
Now, yours is maybe more about pitching and things like that than having to build a platform, but uh, you do still need time to communicate with other people within the network and all of those yeah. things. How do you make time for social media without social media stealing your time? So I think this day and age, it's so hard because it's it's so attached to us all the time that that's a lot of the stuff I'll do at nighttime when the kids are, you know, my four-year-old doesn't like to sleep by himself. So I have to sit outside his room every night and that's when I'll hop on my phone or I'll bring up my laptop and sit there and kind of respond to people, um, throughout the day, you know, lunchtime or take a break from writing. I'll do that, but it doesn't take up my time. Like I purposely take my phone across the room and don't even look at it during the day. Cause I, it's hard for me. I'll be quite honest. It's very hard for me not to look at my phone or or be in it. And I think a lot of parents struggle with that because, and kids do, the kids are just as bad, my oldest, but, um, it's easy to get sucked into and you have to purposely turn your mind away from it. Well, let's, uh, let's actually segue into something a little bit different. I'm excited to talk to you about it because you're one of the few people that can really speak very intelligently to this question, but there seems to be a huge non-clinical trend for health professionals. So I'm at mm -hmm. uh, college where I see freshmen and sophomores whose life dream it is to become nurses and doctors, and they're so excited. And I've got this other group of friends who are about my age in their 40s or 50s mm -hmm. and are saying, I've got to get out of this. I've got to get out of this job. And it's the strangest dichotomy where I'm seeing people so excited and people so miserable at the same thing. Um, can you speak to maybe is it generational? Is it uh, what is it that you think has happened recently to cause this, uh, sh you know, kind of rift between the new group and the group that's established in there? So what's funny is I'm kind of in the middle. I um, I'm in my oh, how old am I? I'm I'm almost in my mid thirties, and um, I started as a nurse when I was 21. So back then, we some hospitals were starting on EMR, some were not. And I was. I was so excited to be a nurse. I was one of those people. And we need nurses. We need pharmacists. We need doctors. Like, it is truly a, a calling for a lot of people. But I think in the nursing profession anyway, people are wanting to be nurses because they want this the schedule they think the schedule's great and it, you can make a decent life you you know it's a good paying job you can support yourself um so i think a lot of people are doing that because they're doing a career change um but the people that are truly passionate and want to be nurses and want to be doctors are the ones that are in it for the right reasons and i think a lot of us are seeing people going into these jobs that aren't as passionate as maybe we once were going into it as well now i as a coach, I will never tell someone to quit being a nurse or a doctor or a pharmacist because I don't think I can ever quit it. I love what I do in the hospital setting. I love being a nurse, but I see what everybody is saying. Since the healthcare reform, I think since um, there's just so much social media stuff out there, I think, too, that patients are so less informed about a lot of medical things out there that um, that's hard, I think, on a lot of us as well. I think um, EMR is a huge thing for people, I think, of your generation, Tony, that were not on it at all until, you know, very recently. We were just and, working with the internet in 1997 when I graduated. Yeah. And it was the first time 
that they required laptops just after I left. And so I was definitely in that pre-technology, everything on paper charts. You, the chart went with the patient. Like as you watched the yep. chart go, you knew where the patient was. And then once they put everything into the EMR, you're like, where did the patient go? There's no yep. chart, you know. And I think if it is, you know, you're saying generational, you notice the people that are very close to retirement they don't want to learn anything new. So they want nothing to do with this EMR. They want nothing to do with a change on the EMR. Whereas the people there, you know, are that mid-generation where you are, are willing to learn it, but they're just kind of like, oh, I don't want to have to learn it. And then there's me who I'm kind of good on that kind of stuff. So it's not a big deal. And I'm always willing to show the people that are older than me how to do it. And then there's people younger than me that are coming out of nursing school, knowing everything technical, but nothing hands-on, and they have absolutely no patient relationship. And that is hard for me to see. And I think, and I know it's hard for a lot of people to see that they are more into the computer than they are into the patient. Yeah, I think we swung from one end to the other. I've heard that in medical residencies, you actually find a lot of times many of the residents are in one little room all looking at a computer because all the information is there and the information isn't at the patient. And yes. we're kind of losing, well, I think we've lost in many ways, uh, that connection to the patient. And, and there's, there's nothing worse than watching your patient and the, pers- and the new nurse freaking out because the monitor is going off. And you're like, look at the patient. Her pulse ox says 70. No, it's probably just off of her finger. No, they're, they're freaking out. And it's like, she's talking and breathing. She's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand. And you're, you, I think that there's got to be a book. I read a couple of books on this, uh, but I think it's, it really is somehow we're, we're, I think we've swung from all patient to computers. And I think we're going to get back into the middle as these things become more mobile, as these things you know, are on the patient. And that's what we'll have to do is move the information to the patient literally instead of, okay, I'm yes. looking, you're watching the top of my head as I'm trying to type as you're talking or, um, I've, I've heard uh, people use paper towels and napkins and post-its and their arms and gloves to take notes as they're talking to the patient, doing weights, things like that, because you have to get to this giant EMR or you know, yep. things like that. Yep. So it's, it sounds like I understand now why uh, people are trying to um, balance what they have at work uh, with a way to kind of communicate their frustrations maybe outside of that or or communicate solutions. And it sounds like that's what a lot of the writing you do is. Well, um, tell, yeah. me, tell me what you do as a coach because I, I, I take classes for writing, but those are really expensive. It's a couple thousand dollars per class. Um, what do you do as a writing coach? Uh, why does someone need a writing coach? <clears throat> well, everybody has different reasons. Um, and it kind of depends on where you are in your business or if you're just even thinking about a business. I think as a, as a coach, I try to help people lay out their goals or their foundation to where they even want to start with a, with a business. Um, so kind of developing it specifically for them. Um, look at their work, see what they've done, give my own feedback to them, help them develop themselves professionally as a writer, making themselves look better, you know, on paper, um, help inspire and motivate from, you know, what I can. It's a lot of, you know, inside you as a person, how driven you are to make your business a success. You know, the other thing we look at is a lot of social media stuff because it's out there, you know, you have to, there's a sea of internet and you're just one of, one of the little fish in there. And 
to make yourself even known on the internet is so hard. But again, over time, I've learned how to do that. I think every day is getting a little bit better. Um, Tell me about marketing. time commitment. I think that would be the, the one thing I would yeah. want to know is, so somebody gets in and then you've been working with them for two weeks and they say, it's just not working. So, <laughs> and I'm being oh, facetious a little bit, but, yeah. but no, tell, me a little, right. tell me a little bit about how, how long someone should engage in this and what's a reasonable expectation to get a writing side career up and running because it is a bit inconsistent. So I think it, it, everybody's going to be different, but I think a good, it's just like when I started as a nurse, I always tell everybody the first year is tough. A year. Give yourself a year to try to see how this will work for you. Because first, you have to figure out how it will fit in your life. And you have to experiment a little bit with, are you a morning person? Or are you a night person? Do you have kids? Do you have family? Do you have whatever? To kind of figure out where can you even put time into this? Um, and then there's also... A lot of people are impressed when I am able to put together a piece so quickly, but it's not that I put together a piece so quickly. There's steps on how I write, and there's it's about a four-step process, and it's very easy for me to come up with content once I have the research and stuff and the outline figured out. So it doesn't take me long to write. Um, but yeah, so I think it's it's everybody's situation is different when it comes to time, but it's definitely doable if you're not working 80 hours a week in your hospital job. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Well, I know people would want to contact you. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So my website, definitely. Um, I do offer free, like quick 15 minutes of just like an introduction call to kind of understand who they are and what they need help with or what they're interested in doing or shoot me an email. That's always very easy too. Um, What's your best my, email? My best email is write like you're writing something. W R I T E R N Janine J A N I N E at gmail.com. And then my website is write W R I T E R N.net. Okay. Well, let's finish with three quick questions. Uh, what's yeah. your best daily ritual to keep your work on track? My best daily ri ritual would be um, a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly My valid. cup of coffee. Perfectly valid. I, I just uh, gave a, a, a happy wish to the class of 2017, and there's books that say if you give up your cup of coffee – and you spend that five dollars, and you know you invest it, and it's going to be you know all these hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> in thirty years. And I, and I, I get I went against that advice. I said, Oh yeah, no, no, that that's you know what, get a double shot of coffee, and then get a second job to finance that coffee. There you go, because yeah. it's truly it's, <laughs> it's so much help in the morning. <laughs> it is, it is. What's the best career advice you've ever received? It sounds like you you give advice. So, uh, what's the best career advice you've either given or received? The best career advice I have been given is to just not give up. Because um, I remember being a new nurse. It's so scary. And not that I ever wanted to give up, but I think there were moments. There, I mean, I cried. There were tears. And, or um, just never thought you, you would have to deal with some of the situations. And just to not give up, that things do get better. Okay. And then what inspires you? My kids. They inspire me. They. I want to be a good role model for them. I want to give them drive. And I want to show them, like, I'm reading a book right now called Grit. 
and I want them to be gritty. I want them to be passionate about their work and their desires. Well, thanks, Janine. I appreciate you being on the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you, Tony. Have a good one. All right. If you'd be interested in being on the Pharmacy Podcast, Pharmacy Future Leaders, contact me at Tony underscore PharmD on Twitter or email me at aaguerra at dmac.edu. Otherwise, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders.